another episode of Cap and Trade here on Twitter Spaces, episode 26. Tonight we are joined by returning guests Landry Locker of 610 Radio and Mike Melcher of Sirius XM Radio. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing tonight? Cap, what's going on? Another wonderful doing night. Doing great, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. So, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Got a lot of... Uh, get into the the Sean Watson stuff and then hopefully that might be one of the last times we talk about him we'll see it'll always he'll always be, be connected to Houston and you know to the Texans in one form or another he'll probably be talked about a little bit here and there as many years go past but you know we saw the the trade compensation kind of get adjusted from what was initially reported to a change over to 3-1 to 2023 third 2024 fourth and they end up sending back a a 2024 sixth back with Watson instead of the fifth rounder that was initially reported. So, I mean, it's marginally better, but it's you know it's good to get that that extra third this year. And and you know it is what it is. I mean they they were kind of they were kind of hamstrung on uh, on what they could do with on the on what they could do with the trade compensation. I think. I mean it. You know that it seemed like. The three ones was kind of, as Sean was saying, the cover charge to get to the table. But and beyond that, it was just that's what the market said. I think Casario kind of said that he wasn't able to really dictate the market as much as he would have liked and that the market was kind of setting itself. And on top of that, with the historic contract to follow it, and we'll get into that as well. But uh, what are y'all overall thoughts of the uh, of the Watson trade? I, I don't think there was any situation where I was going to look at it and felt like it was enough uh initially but when when you take a step back and you see the other perspectives i mean nick did everything he could given the situation Uh, the contract we brought it up last year as a possibility uh and i think we just kind of forgot that that could have still been a possibility uh and even then i didn't expect the contract to be what what would make the decision happen i figured that after the trade was agreed to maybe the contract would be you know agreed upon between Watson and his new team. I didn't know they were going to start negotiating contracts. I actually think it's kind of weird that that's how it went down because I thought it was fine destination trade and then Watson goes and then they can figure out their contract situation. Uh, I underestimated the contract, uh, you know, really coming into play like it did. As far as the tweak compensation, I think that was, I don't want to call it fully gangster, but I think that was a little bit of a punishment, self infl- uh, like a self-inflicted, agreed-upon punishment for the Browns for kind of tampering uh, in the process. Because the way the whole really, thing, well, yeah, because the way the whole thing was laid out, uh, first of all, you had to ask Casario permission to speak to Watson. So once you're out, you're out. Uh, and I think the Browns went kind of you could almost say behind their back because they're not supposed to be contacting someone who's under contract with another player. Now, obviously it's a unique situation and I'm not saying it's the shadiest thing that's ever happened, but they did do that. And then because it got leaked out, I think the tweaked compensation, I don't think it was a misreport. I think it was kind of like a, Hey, (laughs) what the fuck? Uh, (laughs) This isn't the way we were supposed to do stuff. You got the guy but I think it was like just kind of like a slap on the wrist tweak for like some maybe slight tampering. 
So how were they? Okay, that's so how were they? Was this before they got permission to talk to him? No, like, all right. So you, you know how the process was, where yeah. the the Casario talks to the, uh, the Watson yeah. gives a list of teams. Casario talks to the teams uh, about the deal, and then they can meet. Right. So when the Browns are out, they're out. That doesn't mean hey. We're going to hit up Watson and say we're going to give you a contract uh, when we're out. So if the Browns were out, they're out. Like maybe they could hit up Casario and say, "Hey, we want to talk to Deshaun about something else and yada yada yada." But to negotiate a contract behind the back, but behind his back when you're already out, it's. I'm not saying it's like slimy. I'm not saying it's unethical. It's actually pretty damn brilliant. But I do think there's like a slight violation of you know, what the process was supposed to be and what the spirit of not tampering uh, and, and negotiating with a player who's not your guy, especially when you're supposed to be out. Yeah, because they were, as soon as they got wind of Carolina not wanting to guarantee extra years on the contract, things like that, that's when reportedly Cleveland kind of jumped back into it and started offering up this historic contract to kind of seal the deal. At least that's the way I understood it. Now that's interesting that they went straight to Mulligetta and, and Watson without talking to the Texans about getting back into the race. That's interesting. Yeah. That intrigues me as, as well. I, I had not personally heard that. Um, as far as the overall compensation, I, you know, to me, like what is full value for Deshaun Watson? Well, we knew from our conversation last year that, you know, teams are limited in what they can offer in first round picks. Like you can't just offer for a player five or six first round picks unless you happen to have them within like the next couple of years, right? You're only allowed to trade so far out. Uh, and we're not, obviously we're, we're still a little ways away from the day of the actual NFL draft. So that was going to limit it. I, I thought to me, like, like, what is full compensation? Like there was a bidding war, I'd say probably three first round picks, like three second round picks, three third round picks, plus like two players. Like that's something would be probably the max that you can get in like a complete open bidding war. And so what I was disappointed by was just the lack of second round picks, because to me, second round picks are valuable. And we've seen that based on the way the Texans have botched some of those second round picks the last couple of years. You build the core of a football team through the second round. And so I think having, you know, one or two of those picks would have been nice to me. Here's how I would frame it. And I, I was actually genuine. I was like maybe 8% happier with the deal after seeing that they got the extra pick this year because my, my bar sometimes can be a little bit low. Uh, to me, if the deal was three first-round picks, one second-round pick, and either Newsom, the corner, or Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker that they picked last year, I would have said they got as much as they realistically could, and I would have been satisfied with the deal. That That is my take on it. doesn't seem <laughs> the 8% happier was hilarious. So the um, it doesn't seem like Casario was – any even remotely interested in any players coming back in this deal. I mean, it, which, which I, which I don't really, under, I, I don't really get that. Like I, Cody Stutz and I have debated about that. Like to me, okay, there's, it's a, it's a very specific kind of player I'd want back. Like, and some of these teams, it's hard to find those players. I want a guy on a rookie contract who the other team's willing to give up. So, for example, if you were trading Watson to Atlanta, they obviously weren't going to give you Kyle Pitts. Like, that was pretty obvious to anybody who has a brain. But if you traded him to Cleveland, which they did, and you get some, they, like, they were not going to give you Jedrick Wills, okay? They were not going to give you, you know, one of those kind of players. Uh, they were not going to give you Miles Garrett. 
but give me a young defensive player who's entering the second year of his contract who I can help build with. Like, that's the exact kind of player that I want because at some point, you're going to have to turn these picks into actual players. And you could flip them, too. Like, if you did get someone back, like, you could still flip them. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. And like, would you, wouldn't you like? I'm just kind of curious, and I don't know if Nick has been asked directly, directly about and I, about this question because I heard the press conference uh, Saturday. I listened to him with Sean and Seth this morning on six ten. I don't know if he's been asked like directly, directly about players because to me, like, I'd want those players on my team. Like Andrew Berry, I think is a good GM. Why wouldn't you want to have one of those players on your team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You would get a straight answer out of Nick when it comes to that. I think you'll get his cost benefit analysis type response on yes what's out there. So, you know, at this point, it's just going to be pure conjecture on our part of why or why he why or why he did not bring in any players. But it just seemed clear that he just wants the picks and continue rebuilding and retooling this roster and, and the image that he sees versus bringing in a player that he may or may not be interested in. And for all we know, he may not just may not have been high on any available players that Cleveland wanted to make available to him via trade. So, you know, that's something to, something to look at. And, and on top of that, that the contract is just historic on so many levels. This is going to remake the court, the, the quarterback contract market, Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, all these players are just just landed in a sweet spot coming up with this. This is going to be now the standard to try to reach for any you know top tier quarterbacks going forward. But I mean, to to offer up ninety six million additional dollars on top of the one hundred and thirty six I think he was due over the next four years that that is just unbelievable and. You know, I think what was it like next year, and then twenty twenty three, and the roster bonus is going to become guaranteed. So, but I mean, just nine that much more money is just unbelievable to swing in there with that contract on top of the trade compensation, but with that contract to to scoop up Watson to make sure. Which I guess that just tells us that it really was about the contract. It really was about the money. It really was about, as he says, being legendary. And that, I mean, Mulligetta just hit it out of the park with this. And he's just going to become one of the gold standard agents from a, from a player about, you know, the contracts that he's able to score. I mean, he would single-handedly reset the safety market three years ago with the Landon Collins deal. And I think there was one other player and it just, it blew everybody away on the safety market back then that came out of nowhere. And now, you know, that was a good deal for Watson on the 39, you know, the contract he signed with the Texans. And yes. that, you know, the 230, it just blew my mind when I saw that. And it makes me wonder, and this is just kind of a hypothetical question that I wanted to get y'all's opinion on. Let's just say that the allegations never came up. Watson never asked for a trade. Do you think, how quickly of a di- of a new deal do you think Mulligetta would have been asking for Watson from the Texans after that initial <laughs> extension, after seeing this? Like, is this, do you think it would have been like coming back every year to the table we need to raise every year, we, you know, kind of thing? I heard last year from someone pretty smart, and I, and I said it on the air, uh, and I think, I think I might have even tweeted it that, you know, there were whispers that the contract was already being brought up at training camp last year. So 
I don't know if that was just because he was pissed off with the Texans, uh, but there were whispers that it was being brought up. Uh, I, I would think that if everything had been perfect, there probably wouldn't have been a desire for a new contract, maybe a couple of years into it. I think he would have at least stepped on the field under that contract uh, at the very least. Uh, but I, I don't think that like Deshaun would have been like holding out after the 2022 season had he been satisfied with what was going on here. Yeah, I think what you're really getting at, Cap, is basically would Deshaun have tried to do what Darrell Revis did at corner uh, for a long time, which was like not literally every year, but every two years he'd want a new contract. Like yeah. he held out as a rookie, then he held out a couple of years in, then he held out or he tried to hold out again, and he would just kind of keep the pressure on the team when he had the most leverage. Uh, I, I think I think it's an op- I think it's an open question. I uh, I just have a hard time like because no other quarterback does that, like how they would have tried to justify that. But it's it's a very fair hypothetical based on what's happened in the last three to four days. Yeah, just yeah, I appreciate that. I just wanted, I know that was an extreme hypothetical, but it was just something because like Landry was saying about how the contract was handled, my, I just naturally assumed they would get the trade done. He'd probably play this year on the contract as, as is, and then they would come go back to the table and, and, uh, or maybe they restructure it and then go to have a contract extension talks next off season, but to have tear that thing up and that tear that thing up for a new five year deal. And that the, the, the real stinging part about this is Watson never played a down on that new extension. Never, never. Uh, and, and not even a down on the final year of the, of no, the rookie. I mean, they, off, they, ba- like, they basically yeah. prepaid $20 million for zero. Which, I mean, maybe it was worth it in the big scheme of things. By the way, Cap, I'm the last son of a bitch that you have to apologize for an extreme hypothetical. Do you even know me, sir? (laughs) I do. (laughs) It's just a habit. But, uh, no, I just, I mean, you know, other than the, I guess the lefties businesses are leaving Houston. (laughs) Man. What what a a debacle. What a debacle. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, just ghost them. And, that place and was town. never busy, though, if we're being honest. That place was never busy. And the thing about that is I am a big fan of the Quiznos on Maine because Quiznos is rare, and I love Quiznos. So lefties never even had a puncher's chance with me. But every time I drove by there, it was dead. I'm not a big cheesesteak person in general, but it's like, if I'm going to get a cheesesteak, which I don't like in general, why the hell am I getting it here and not in Philly? Like, let's be realistic. Well, I mean, what, do you have a private jet or something, Mike? Like, Well, I'm just say? saying that, like, I, like that, like getting a cheesesteak, this is one of the best food cities in the country. I'm not going to go get a cheesesteak from lefties. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I did get one question from a Twitter DM. So what should I do with my Watson jersey? I, I guess donate it. Save it. I mean, save, it. save it. Maybe, maybe it would be. I don't know. Yeah, why not save it? I've seen put, a lot. I've seen people wearing Watson jerseys uh, recently, man. Like, put, put some tape. Wear it, put man. some tape over the name and handwrite a new write Mills on. I don't know. Yeah, we had some good times. We had some good times with Deshaun, man. And the, and the thing like that, I think you know, because I, I I think perspective is important. Uh, and I think that there's a, there's some jackasses who just want to like dig in on one side of this situation. And I just don't think it's necessary, especially with what we don't know about Watson. Uh, and especially with like, just 
how, you know, Nick came into the situation. Cal was here from the beginning, Jack. Like, there's a lot of perspectives. Uh, but the bottom line is, I think even the most rational person can understand why Deshaun Watson wanted nothing to do with the Texans before the allegations came out. Like, look look at how things were going. Look at who were who the guys were that were making decisions. Like, I think I, I, I respect uh, that he wanted that now i wish he wouldn't have like pounded the table for bob but i can understand that and we had some good we had some good times with Deshaun, man yeah. Deshaun was a hell of a lot of fun to watch gave us some really fun times i am curious to see how the node that the thought or the the no trade clause gets incorporated going forward <laughs> i think contracts it w- if it's going to be something that is continue to stay in or if teams try to write in specific language that if the player officially submits a trade request and the no trade, no trade clause becomes null and void or, you know, or the teams are just going to say, no, we saw how Watson essentially, you know, the word has been weaponized it and, you know, we're just not going to go down that path. I mean, there's right now, I mean, there's only about a dozen players that have no trade clauses, but it's be interesting. That's one thing I want to watch. The two things of is that, and then I'm very curious just to see the the guarantee language on Watson's new contract and how it how it's going to handle any potential suspension this year. I know we saw, you know, we saw the the contract structure with the low salary this year and things like that, and a, a player player personnel or personnel conduct suspension doesn't doesn't trigger repayment of the sign-in bonus like a PED suspension does. The team could go after it if they wanted to, but in this case it seems unlikely since they kind of expected it. But I am curious to see if the language, because I've seen it before, well, they'll just say a breach of contract like a suspension or something like that in this calendar year, so say 2022, would only potentially void the guarantees of that calendar, of that that league year. So it wouldn't void any, like the few, the four subsequent year guarantees and stuff like that. So I don't get into the weeds a little bit, but I, that's just one thing I'll but be the no trade clause league wide. And then I want to see the, the contract language on Watson's new deal to see how, see how we'll get to manage that one. Well, one point I want to make about this, cause I don't know if anybody has made this point uh, in just distinct terms. There seems to be this impression nationally that, and I, I know it's, it's become very murky and the waters have been muddied, but I don't think that Deshaun Watson got this new money because of the allegations against him. If we like the only way to do this is to apply like a scientific method, right? Like, let's say all this happened last year. There are no allegations, no civil cases, no criminal investigation. I'm presuming if David Mulligetta did this now, he would have done the exact same thing, except this new contract would have come in some form in April of 2021 and not March of 2022. I don't know why people are not pointing that out. Deshaun got this new contract because he had a no trade clause and he had the leverage and was able to get yeah. this new contract it wasn't because of anything he did or didn't do if the trade would have gone through last year there, there's a chance that the new team would have given him a new contract like that's i'm with you on that mike yeah all right was there anything else on watson y'all that i missed why are you trying to move on from watson so well i, got, I mean we got other things Cap's a fo- cap is a forward-looking guy right. he is He's he's got the title. I thought we would have Deshaun Watson in the title. Just have you know. Now we know. We just got what's next. I, I wiped Watson from my social media. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, I just, I just, thought, I just thought we were. I mean, I just thought that's what we were talking about. What do you want to talk about, uh, Kyle Allen? What was that? You want to talk about Kyle Allen? Yeah, QB three, QB two. No, I mean, Mark- I mean, if there's if there's more things to talk about Watson, I'm I'm open open to it. But you know, like I said, I acknowledge it's not something that you just move on and clean slate and never talk about him again. It's going to hang over. It's going to hang over the team for years to come. And he's always going to be associated with the team in some form or fashion with fans, both locally and nationally. And there's going to be, I mean, I heard you all, I heard, I heard you all, I had one fan on the radio who was just already ready to buy his Brown Jersey and, and disassociate with the Texans and everything. So there's a couple of us. So I, you know what I am intrigued by though, and and I think I think you can at least agree with this, Cap, because uh, I am the podium critic. I want to see how he handles the media for the first time, because Lopez and that's I. What, that's uh, what I wanted to talk to you about. Go ahead. Lopez and me during commercial break, we were walking down the hall and uh, one p.m. coffee, and I, we'll probably bring this to the air once we know like exactly when he's going to talk. Lopez said he's going to hit it out of the park. And I was like, I don't know about that. Like, first of all, I think there'll probably be like some, like we can't talk about, you know, the off-field stuff because we still have the civil stuff going on. But I, I don't like, if you look at like Deshaun, like the whole like trajectory to- with Deshaun and how he got to where he was, like he's never not been the man. Like, and he's, I, I don't even know if he's ever been grilled before in a press conference, like think about it. Like there, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been like grilled, like even, even after games, even guys that don't have like off field, like Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl. So, you know, he got grilled. Like he's been playing in the playoffs. Deshaun Watson was always looked at as a guy that was a victim uh, of, you know, circumstances. And I don't want to say people were easy on him. Cause I think he was kind of like, at times, you know, having to save all butts, but he was never really getting grilled. After games, I mean, they, you know, they, they lost three games in a row or whatever. 2018, and he came out. And he's like, "Oh, we know." Like that's about. But even then, that was a team question. That wasn't like a "What's up with you?" He's never had to deal with like the media, you know, questioning him. He's always been like this guy that's put on such this pedestal, like such a big pedestal. I I don't think he's gonna knock it out of the park. At I really don't. Well, I don't. This is one of those press conferences where I don't think knocking it out of the park is is really in the realm of possibility. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, Cleveland reporters on some of my Sirius XM shows, and I've asked them some variation of questions like, "Hey, you know, what do you expect to hear? What do you want to hear from the Browns people? Like Haslam, uh, I'm sure they'll have D Haslam up there. They'll have Barry. They'll have Stefanski. But it's like, what 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 can they really say? What can they actually say that's going to make people feel like, oh, okay." Well, they actually did their due diligence, and Deshaun did nothing wrong. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing that anybody can say in this sort of realm that's going to make many skeptical people feel a whole lot better. I would say avoid getting like a, a, a clip singled out that can just that people can just run with. Like I, I don't like even if he does it perfect. I'm not sitting there saying that Deshaun's going to go to the podium and he's going to say something, and all of a sudden everybody's like, you know that's a great guy. Like I because I, I look. Every <laughs> every encounter I've had with Deshaun Watson has been a great guy. Like I like I I don't know what like 
I, I think maybe there's like some recklessness and stuff that goes on and hell, it could even be the extreme, but like, I don't think he's going to go up there and people are going to, you know, go back to saying he's a servant leader and, you know, this is the perfect guy. But, <laughs> like, the, he, if he goes up there and, like, even if he says something that comes across, this it doesn't seem like a like a win-win situation for him. And, and I could see him kind of getting, getting caught slipping a little bit with some of the questions because he's not used – he's not used to walking into a room – and I don't think he understands either because I was talking to someone who covers the NFL before I came on here, and he called Deshaun the most tone-deaf athlete that he's ever seen. Like when you get the contract, when you get the contract that you got, it's one thing for David Mulligetta to gloat about. But in this situation, regardless of what happened, when you're trying to rebuild a brand, when Deshaun Watson shares on his Instagram, David Mulligetta boasting about the value of the contract and says that's a supermax in the NBA. That just shows me he's not very he's not very brand savvy and aware of just the smoke that is going to be coming his way. I think he's lived in a fantasy world and I don't think he understands. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Cleveland media covers him for the next, you know, eight, nine, ten months. I'm not entirely sure they truly know what's coming for him and how, how to manage that load. You know, locally y'all had to cover this for what, 14 months now. So it'd be interesting to see how they, it's funny. It's funny. You say that cap uh, is because I, I, I was there for five and a half months and I know people who've done it and I won't like some of those people have got themselves in a rough spot now (laughs) because it's, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, when they found out that Deshaun wasn't going there, uh, or the Browns were supposedly out, they went on the soapbox and basically said, oh, we well, screw this guy. I don't <laughs> want to bring this guy in our community. This guy's a star. I wouldn't have been able to root for this guy anyways. And, you know, they might have gotten some that's, cheers. That's like, a, yeah. That's a standard reaction. I mean, yeah. But then the very next day he's there. So they're kind of between a rock and a hard place now. Yeah. You know, there's also the dynamic that Deshaun goes to. I think the NFC South is a division where, like, there's not as much media coverage. I feel like you can kind of go quietly to a place like Atlanta or especially Carolina, maybe New Orleans to an extent. You go to the AFC North, and they have fans in the Northeast who have been rooting, except for the Ravens, and maybe even in their case, like, People have been rooting for those teams for generations upon generations. They're angry. They're passionate. Like Deshaun, listen, he's still a great player, but he's going to face, I think, a much rougher reception on the road, especially within the division, than the uh, tame NFC South. No, well, even like Pittsburgh fans, they've been taking it on the den from Browns fans. And, and I even saw this where Ben Roethlisberger's a rapist. This guy's a slime ball. And I'm not comparing the two, but like, that, that's that's what they had to hear anytime Ben Roethlisberger played the Browns. And now Deshaun Watson's a Browns. Like, Steelers fans are nuts, dude. All they do is watch Steelers football, drink beer, and wear pajama pants out in public. Like, they, they're going to go in on Deshaun Watson. And he is going to – I mean, I'm telling you, man, He's. I don't think that he clearly grasps what is about to happen when it comes to, like, the attention and all that type of stuff. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just don't think that he fully understands what's about to happen. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, I'll be. I, I'll, I'll kind of try to peek in on Cleveland media here and there, and they got a they got a couple of folks that do some spaces up there as well. And they'll, I mean, they'll shoot. They were pulling like two grand, you know, two thousand people listening on their Twitter spaces, and yeah, because they the, titled it Deshaun Watson. They didn't <laughs> title it What's Next for the Browns. <laughs> Oh man, that's why they What's had two thousand, sir. Yeah, that's why last uh, week it was a little, a little more popping because it was telling Sean Watson. My tweet, my, my tweet, my tweet got shared in one uh, the Sunday before last. Oh yeah, they were demanding Ooh. that you come in. They were like, I was sitting, I was sitting, at, I was, I was sitting in the parking lot at church fixing to pick up my daughter and waiting. It's like I can't come in there, but I mean, I got like a hundred DMs within like a span of like two minutes. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even realize that was the deal, and all of a sudden, just my phone blew up, and it's like, oh my gosh! All right, so let's move on to the Texans. That's enough of Watson stuff for now. Even though I didn't title this Watson, so the team made three releases today, back down to sixty-six contracts, restructured Laramie Tunsil, which I know Mike was extremely ecstatic about. Which I I don't know why they did that because that really lumps in a lot of prorated well, I, money into I, into 2023 even if they tried to do an extension next year it just makes things that much more difficult so it, it just really confused me they didn't need they could have found other ways to find cap dollars yes i think that was not the contract to do that with so we'll see what happens next year and then they should have cut jordan jenkins and saved like three million or whatever it is uh yeah, yeah i mean i i have not I, I don't well i shouldn't say nothing i it's not more it's not the restructure of the contract per se it's just the the genuine i never have any idea what nick is going to do like i i feel like i have zero pulse of exactly the way that he is building the team which we can obviously get to in the next you know 30 40 hour whatever it is uh it's like I felt like, and I was wrong about this. I thought Laramie was out the door, was going to be traded, and then it seems to flip to where he's now here. But okay, is he the left tackle of the future? Is if he is he the left tackle of the next five to seven years? If that's the case, then then fine. I, I'm cool with that. I suppose it just didn't seem that way at all during the last half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, they didn't need the operating room to for the trade or anything like that. I just, I don't, I cannot find. A reason for it at this point and that you know maybe we'll find out the reason next year when it comes contract extension time or letting him play it out but it just did not make much sense to me then we saw eric murray got restructured his wasn't a simple restructure that was a that was a pay cut with a little bit of guarantee money and then at that point you know we're we're looking at i tweeted this out today so 30 picks Within the next three drafts, fourteen of them in the third round or better. So that you know, it, I kind of view twenty twenty one as kind of like year zero of the rebuild. At this point, this is when the rebuild and Nick's clock really starts on his tenure, in my opinion. And you know, at this point, I what what's the expectation for this team to be competitive? What's the expectation for this team to be contending? In y'all's opinion. I, I think it's got to be 2024. I'm curious what Landry thinks, but it's like, all right, so this year is most likely a wash. They'll probably be, probably pick, be picking the top five next year. I, I think it's hard, given where the roster is, to be good enough to like contend for a playoff spot in 2023. It's only a year and a half away. So the way the math is working to me, especially, again, not getting back any players in the Watson deal, to me, realistically, I think the expectation has to be 2024. 
What does contending mean? I'm not trying to be trite, but what do you I'll mean? I'll give you an answer. Uh, contending means you're playing important football games in December, games that matter. Okay. I think you're probably 2024 optimistically when that could happen. Now, if you do, like, let's say that they put together a solid four right now and they have all that cap space next year. And let's say that they're really bad this year, but they end up getting Bryce Young with the number one overall pick, just hypothetically. And let's say he's the real deal. Then maybe it could happen a year earlier. Uh, I, I like Davis Mills all right. I just think that the – I don't think he's like a guy that's just going to elevate everyone to a point where you know, you're immediately contending for a wild card spot. But I would say 2024 as well, unless you get like some sort of like young stud, revolutionary, uh, Justin Herbert type, like ready to play that well in year one next season. Yeah, I think to be competitive would be 2024. And competitive to me is like vying for playoff spot. And then like Mike said, contending is playing important football December and January. So, yeah, it's 2024 and beyond at this point. We'll have to see how the drafts shake out. Like I said, we got a ton of draft picks for him to work with. Wouldn't shock me to see him come out of the, what, so he's got 11 picks this coming draft. So it wouldn't shock, shock any of us to see him come out of this draft with more than 11 players and, or assets in 2023 when it comes to additional draft picks with a trade back or something like that. So, you know, I think you're going to, that's why we saw the three releases today, got the roster back down to 66 players. I think more or less they're probably about done in free agency. We'll see what happens with Marlon Mack. Really don't understand why they signed any free agent running backs, but, and why they brought back Royce Freeman. I, I don't know, but you know, that was one thing I wanted to get y'all's opinion on was this, (laughs) this, this is a lot of people saying, run it back. I mean, what what is the enticement on some of these players that they have brought back? I know they signed, you know, eight outside free agents, but none of them are really just big impact type of free agent players. I mean, unless you want to – I know a lot of Cleveland fans had a lot of good things to say about MJ Stewart, and then we saw Reeves Maven. But, I mean, like A.J. McCann, Dario Gumbwale, you know, Okorono – Oh, good lord! Yeah, Okoronkwo. Is this an XFL? Is this an XFL? That was the one signing I liked. I liked the guy from the Rams. Yeah, yeah, he's an edge rusher. So, but I mean, it, yeah, but I mean, at the end, of, but bringing back a lot of you know the Chris Conley's, the Chris Moore, the you know whoever. Else, yeah, and, but and, I don't look at that as permanent. I don't look at that as I, I like. There's guarantee guys. You're kind of breaking up there, Landry. So, it, it, I said, it, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I said, there's no guarantee those guys team, though, right? No, there. I there's, mean, there's uh, not. Yeah. I mean, some of their contracts are structured with you know some small amount of guarantees and end up getting offset and things like that. But it just, I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on just the thought of bringing back those players. Is it because now we're actually going to have a big draft class? You know, you're. I, like the tweet I sent out tonight where it's like he, we're expecting between the drafted and undrafted class, he's probably going to bring in every bit of 20 to 25 new players between the drafted and un, undrafted class. So is are these the chosen players that they wanted back in the building to help facilitate the foundation 
the culture that Lovey Smith and is trying to implement? And are these the players that he wanted here to help facilitate that, bringing in that large of a rookie group as compared to the last year where it was five draft picks and four undrafted guys. And the year before that, it was a small group with O'Brien. So just want to get y'all's thought on that premise. I'll be honest. There's a couple that didn't make sense to me. Uh, the, the tight end room really uh, big time. Like I, I don't, I thought it was the most disappointing position group last year. It, you have three guys returning. I, I wouldn't have been disappointed had Jordan been uh, the only one. I, I will acknowledge though, that the, the tight ends at the top of the market, it seemed like they were almost, they found better situations than what they would have found here. Like OJ Howard's not signing here for what he signed for. So I can understand it, but you know, the Farrell, Farrell Brown contract surprised me a little bit. Uh, Nick said the other day that Justin Britt was one of the best players on the team last year. I don't know what I'm, I'm not oh. going to tend to be a film guru, but, but I don't know what the fuck he's watching <laughs> uh, to say that Justin Britt was one of the best players on the team last year. I really don't. Uh, so that kind of surprised me. I'm not going to overreact to where the running backs are right now because I think in the draft, I think that's going to be a very, and some of the veterans uh, that are out there right now, you put them in with some rookies, uh, you can fix that. But the tight end room, Justin Britt, those surprised me. I like guys on defense. I like Leak. I'm glad they brought back Desmond King. Why not? Uh, Kamu Bruce Hill. That's a pleasant surprise. One year, four and a half. Sign me up for that. Fine with Kirk C or Kirko as Casario calls him. That's but I was very surprised by the tight end and the, and just not only being brought back, saying he was best players on the team last year. I don't yeah. know what that's based on. Yeah, the tight end room was, you know, the tight end market, the the t- if you want to call them like tier two type uh, tight ends, they they were finding good money out there. I mean, they were getting every bit of seven or eight million dollars a year so maybe that's just not the not the budget that casario wanted to allocate to tight ends this year and you know the draft has got i'm not a draft guru by any means it sounds like there's some decent late day late day two early day three tight ends out there as well so maybe 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 looks at the draft but as for Kamu, it it sounded like he was going to price himself out of houston and i would wouldn't shock me at all that this is the deal they offered him at the beginning of free agency or even right before free agency started and said, Hey, go, go ahead and take a look at the market and then come back and let us know. And he got out there and didn't find the market that he was expecting is, is my read on the situation. So I would say for me, I'm overall just kind of unimpressed by Nick's second straight free agency. Um, I just don't I, I don't really have a clear vision on exactly what he's trying to build. And, and I understand that, like, the real important stuff is who they pick with the Watson picks, who they select with their own picks, free agency next year, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, I just have, again, I have no feel for what they're going to do. So they re-sign Justin Britt, they re-sign Christian Kirsty. Like, I, I don't know on what exact basis they bring these guys back versus not bring these guys back. Uh, the two specific moves I like were, re-signing Malik Collins and bring in the guy whose name I can't pronounce from the Rams because I like his profile and he's an edge rusher. Like, you know, people like Desmond King. All right, I don't think Desmond King's a bad player, but because they have a better player in Xavier Thomas in the slot, like you're playing Desmond King at the boundary corner where I just don't think he's very effective. So it's like everybody likes that move and I'm like, okay, it's fine. And then you keep signing guys to one-year contracts. It's just like, 
you know, if they play well, you got to pay them more. And it's just, I, I struggle to sort of see exactly what, what, what Nick's vision is, even considering, yes, they've been hampered by this Watson thing for a long time and they're just now getting underneath that. It, it's just, it, it's hard for me to figure out the clear vision at this moment with this roster. And I feel like you like churning a little bit. Like, yes. You could, like, if, if you don't bring back a Justin Ritt, like, I, I'm, I, I feel, and I could be wrong, this could be unfair, and maybe there's like some gray area that I don't understand Nick Terrio does, but I feel like you can find a Justin Ritt of last year every year. And once you get to look at that guy, if we're talking about sharing the roster and trying to find guys, like, I feel like I've got enough of Justin Ritt to where I don't like two years from now, maybe even like next year, he's going to be on the team and he's going to be a center. Like, I feel like it's just a one-year, whatever, here we go. And you could churn the roster and find just Ritt. You could churn the roster and find a Pharaoh Brown who maybe 12 times a game, whatever the hell he was doing last year. Like you can find a Chris Conley. Uh, you can find a, a Chris, like at some, like I get like, you know, you want to find sort of stuff, but it, I just thought there would be a little bit more churning. I'm kind of surprised by how many guys came back. Connection is a little rough there, Landry. Yeah, that, that's that's how I that's how uh, that's how I feel about it. It's like you're bringing back a whole bunch of guys from a team that went four and thirteen, and the Farrell Brown one is a really good example. Farrell Brown had a promising twenty twenty season, like broke a and, lot of tackles, made yeah, some interesting and had plays. A good week Great. one in twenty twenty one, and then it went downhill. Yeah, and then disappeared. Like to me, if I am a team like the Texans, why in the middle of this giant rebuild am I bringing back a player like that and giving him more money? To me, I'd bring in a different tight end just because he's different because, as Landry mentioned, I want that churn because I want to uncover. Like, I actually think in a weird way, this is where I like one of Rick Smith's philosophies, which is at the bottom of the roster, you want to have more churn than not to be able to find some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, he prescribed to the uh, the G the GE, and I, I cannot remember the gentleman's name that coined the the coin that was a a twenty percent, seventy percent, ten percent, and yes, twenty percent is your your core core of your roster that you you dedicate a lot of resources to. Seventy percent is the middle tier of your roster, and ten percent is the roster that part of the roster you're constantly churning. If my if my if my memory serves me correct, that was what what Rick Smith kind exactly. of subscribed to. Yeah. So yeah, I was I agree, and that's that's kind of what I was alluding to. I was very surprised, even with the Chris Moores and Chris Conley and Farrell Browns, those are the type of players I was surprised that came back. And so we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll get a little more insight as as we go on with go on with the off season of uh of what his intentions are. It just, you know, some of the, the Justin Britt contract just surprised me. Just surprised me altogether. I mean, 4 million guaranteed on a two year deal. So that part was just, was just surprising altogether when you saw some of the other, other contracts that were handed out on interior players. So we'll see, maybe it'll work out. Maybe his knees will hold up and, uh, you know, maybe it'll be fine. But at that point, We'll just see what happens, but you know, it, I will say, I suspect that there was probably a Texans tax Texans tax out there on the free agent market, just like the Jaguars <laughs> had a tech, uh, Jaguars tax, and they they paid it through the nose, 
you know, but of course some of those contracts are just horrible as, as can be to begin with. But I mean, they were overpaying for players left and right and doesn't shock me at all. Cause that's kind of what, that's what <laughs> Jacksonville seems to do for about every three years, just go crazy and free agency and try to load up on the roster. And then they end up breaking it back down because we, we know free agency return on value is very low. But, uh, you know, at this point, it seems like it's going to be an arms race in the, in the AFC West and the AFC North. And, you know, it's going to be very, I mean, unfortunately, maybe it'll help the Texans out since we're playing against the West and maybe it won't, it'll lead to, to, to less wins and a better draft spot. But I, for someone, I, for one, would like to see a few wins this year. So between that and then the one that was just like the biggest slap in the face was the Devonte Adams trade. I mean, that was just a chef's kiss to cap off what was what was that horrific trade that that O'Brien made with Hopkins. So that part was a little that part was just a I mean I just couldn't help but laugh when I saw that come through. It's like there you go. That's what the trade compensation should have been for Hopkins, not what it was. But we'll see what happens and then, you know, draft like we talked about, big draft class coming up. So we do have a few requests in here we'll see what are on everybody's mind so we'll go to to kurt jr first and then we'll go to houston football three after that jr how you doing tonight i'm doing all right can you hear me yes sir all right nice so i have one question and sort of one comment uh based off what landry was saying earlier but the question is you know we're sitting at three i know that castario has talked about potentially being willing to trade back. Do you think any of our conversations with the Panthers and the Falcons through the D4 stuff kind of would lead to like a better relationship or like a better conversation between the two sides in uh, moving up, particularly for like Willis? I know both teams were sort of interested in that. And then uh, to Landry's point earlier about the, the AFC North and the Pittsburgh and Cleveland thing, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. So I have a lot of firsthand experience about sort of like the battles between like, you know, Pittsburgh fans and Cleveland fans. I know nationally sort of everybody thinks the big rivalry is Pittsburgh and Baltimore, but up here, everybody from Cleveland, anybody, everybody from Pittsburgh hate each other. And the Steelers fans have gotten a lot of um, less than nice jokes about Ben Roethlisberger after, at, over the last few years. So I can only imagine sort of what Deshaun is coming into uh Coming into this division, but like you guys said, it's not going to be a lot of good stuff. But yeah, that's all I had. Uh, thanks for doing this. <laughs> I right, appreciate it. Yeah, for talking to the other teams and potential trade back, you know, Casario has been in this pro personnel kind of pseudo GM role up in New England for many, many years, and then now year two with Houston. So I, I would suspect he's already got those relationships built, but I, it had to have come up, I would imagine during the Deshaun Watson trade negotiations of, I mean, he even alluded to it this morning that when you're talking, talking to agents and talking to other teams, other players, other things come up in conversations, just a natural part of it. So I, he's clearly said it. He's open for business on 13. He's, I mean, on number three, he's probably going to be clearly open for business on 13. Uh, I almost want to kind of, was going to get Landry and Mike is opinion on this as well. What, what, what would you set the over under on the number of trades that uh, Casario is going to make during the during the draft this time. Uh, I'll say, yeah, I, yeah, I think two is a good number. Uh, I just hope that 
whether it's going down or coming up at some point, that the uh, that the value that Nick puts on those trades is is not like the Nico Collins trade. No offense to Nico, who I like as a player. I'm a Michigan fan, but it's like uh, I, I look at some of the trades they had last year, and I'm like, I don't know what their valuation is going to be. But I, I think he's clearly telegraphed that. He wants to move down, whether from three or now 13. He wants more picks, and I think that will Landry? Yeah, I, I'm going to put it at two. See, I, I, I would go way over that. I think it's going to be like three or four moves. Through. How is that way over, Cap? I thought you were going to say like ten. Well, I thought four <laughs> well, would no, be. I, that, I, mean, I just I, doubled the number you went. That's, that's way over. Yeah, but you yeah, started I, with I three. A, you said I'm going to go way over two. <laughs> but I think from a Vegas standpoint, if you actually <laughs> – if we were like in a back room in Vegas and we were setting the lines, that the cap is right in spirit that he's going way over the Landry. Thank that you. is true. Thank you, That Michael. is true. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, so we'll go to JR. Thanks for the question. We'll go to Houston Football 3 and then Ryan after that. And feel and, free to get – hang on very real quick. So feel free to uh, submit, you know, tap that request button on the bottom left of the screen. If you don't want to speak and you want to send me a, a question, you can – my DMs are open, so you're more than welcome to send me your questions that way if you don't want to speak. So go ahead, Houston Football, what you got? Hey, guys, a uh, couple of questions. One, um, what is the – I mean, I was listening to the press – well, uh, Sports Radio 610 con, uh, phone call with uh, Nick and he was still very ambiguous about uh, where Titus Howard is likely to play this season. I mean, I thought that was sort of answered. I think, you know, all of us are expecting he's going to play tackle, but Nick wasn't committed on it. Um, second question is, with everything that's happened on this whole Deshaun thing, how does it complicate um, Muligeta's relationship with uh, Houston? I mean, I know Nick said he's, you know, he tries to ask professional and he understands what the other party is trying to do, but... It seems just like Mulugeta's clientele are just troublemakers, man. They're just prodigal children. Huh? I'll hang up and listen now. All right. I appreciate it, man. So I don't think – so to to answer the question on Titus Howard and, and Landry and Mike, correct me if, if, if I'm reading this wrong, but I think this theme for this offseason has been that this is this is kind of – this is Lovey Smith's roster. The, you know, the same thing when he built the coaching staff. This was Lovey Smith's coaching staff. So I think maybe Casario is potentially maybe backing off from making comments on where players are going to play. His role is to build this roster, and then it's Lovey's job to put the players in the best position to succeed to to help the team win games. Would that be um, – would you all align yeah, with that? Yeah, I or? think – yeah, I think that's I think that's possible. This is the thing that makes me skeptical because I like Titus Howard, but it's like you look at Titus's career and it feels like it's been botched by this team. I feel like I'm a very negative type, but it's like I like Titus Howard as a player, and we saw we're like we're all watching the same football games, right? We're all watching the same team. And when Titus came in and played left tackle late in the season, I don't think there was a noticeable downgrade at left tackle. He played pretty well, and to me, he is a tackle, whether it's a left tackle or a right tackle. 
And this is what makes it really hard for me to evaluate what they're going to do at three. Because if you look at the board and the way it stacks up, if we think that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is going one, the Lions do what they do at two, like the best available player will probably be, you know, Icky from NC State or Evan Neal. And would I be fine with drafting those guys? Sure. Could I live with them, could I live with them playing guard for a year or two? Sure. But I just, I don't know what the long-term plan is with the Texans offensive line. And I would like to have a long-term plan for rebuilding football. Yeah, I just don't want to draft a tackle and have him play guard uh, at this point. I, I just don't. I, if he has to go out there and take it on the chin a little bit, unless you can convince me that playing guard is just automatically going to make him better at tack instead of going out there and just playing immediately, then I can I, I can get down with that. But as far as Titus goes, the guy's like the, the, the guy's. He's not a like. He's not a guard. He's a tackle. But I'm just tired of this. Like play a guy at guard, play a guy at tackle. And maybe I'm because it's really not as rare as we pretend it is. But there's just been too much of that bullshit. Well, this guy is not very great at five things, but he do all five, uh, and he doesn't really have a base where you feel comfortable with him. You know, being a a, a solid contributor and off. Just put tight at tackle. That's what happened. Tired yeah. of seeing Titus. I really am. And this is a make break year for Titus. Yeah. Like, we, we got to figure out what the hell he is. If we're saying the same stuff Titus next year that we are right now, then there's no point in even having it. Must be my connection then because it keeps cutting out on me. So, yeah. And how, I mean, they've got the fifth year option decision that they need to make by May 3rd this year as well, as well on Howard. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I think at this point they would probably just go ahead and take the option and it's going to be fully guaranteed and it fully guarantees his salary this year as well, which I think it was like 95% guaranteed anyway. So, and as for the second part of the question on David Mulligetta's relationship, I, I don't think that's an issue. I, I don't think that there's any issues between Nick Casario and David Mulligetta. I think, I don't think there should be any concerns at least initially, I don't think there should be any concerns with drafting players that are repped by David Mulligetta. He's not going anywhere. Mulligetta is only going to probably become a bigger, become. A, a bigger agent as as things progress with what he's doing and accomplishing with his with his clients. So you've, you're going to have to continue to deal with him. So if anything, you just can keep the keep that bridge open, keep keep the relationship in a in a positive manner and. Like Casario was saying, you know, take emotion out of it, keep it business, and everything should be fine. So I don't really have any concerns with that. I think it. Uh oh. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was concerned about that as well. My, my concern is about not how Nick handles it with Mulligetta, uh the next time they have a significant Mulligetta client, but just the whole like. The stuff that we don't really want to talk about, like the Cal parts, the East City parts, the overall organizational culture, et cetera. But the Nick and Mulligan part, like, yeah, I think Nick is a is a businessman in the same way David is, and I think that they can work together fine. Yep. All righty. We'll jump over to Ryan, and then we'll go to H-Tine Sports after that. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? Hey guys, how we doing? Good. So I don't know if it's just me always being a pessimist, but I'm I'm nervous about this draft right, because you. so is you. <laughs> it's always me. 
Uh, now that we got all these picks, and since Nick is, seems to be prone to doing weird shit that's kind of unconventional, <laughs> what is what are some picks he could make at three and thirteen where you would just be like, "What the fuck, Nick?" And, and then just kind of the two players I'm kind of interested in, or not that I'm interested in, but that kind of concern me. There's a lot to talk about Thibodeau and like you know his personality. And then this Tavon Walker guy from Georgia, seen people I've seen him a mock today to two to Detroit or to us at three or even nowhere in the top ten. So just kind of thoughts on those players. Far as I'll, the- tell you, I'll tell you the, the player who would terrify me at three. If they announced like George Karloftis, I would basically jump off a bridge. If I'm an actor, and I and, and I and I love him, but if I have to hear our good friend John Harris tell us about how like you know George Karloftis sort of. Purdue is like this and that. Listen, you want to take this guy at 13 because he like works hard and he's a strong guy and he's a pretty good pass rusher, fine. But at three, I will jump off a roof. I think a cornerback would make me lose my shit at three. Sauce Gardner? Any corner would make me lose my shit at three in this I would, draft. Say, I would take Sauce Gardner at three. I would not take Stingley, Stingley at, at three. But No, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't risky. take either of these guys at three. I think there's way too much better. I mean, I just I don't know. I, I don't want. I, I'm I'm leery about Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I'm concerned. That Me he's, too. He's going to be another clowny type player where he's just just not. If you, if you were drafting him in like the twenties, then I'm on board. But three, no. Um, yeah, tra- going with Walker that early is is probably a little bit much, but. I mean, there's really uh, taking a tackle would be the, about the only thing that I would just be like, "What is going on here?" And and maybe that's a signal what they really think about Titus Howard. I don't know, but I just I hope he doesn't hope he doesn't kind of get stuck in there at number three. And I don't even know what scenario that would mean. You know, if it went if he's just not sold, you know, because he was kind of seen mom on <laughs> Kyle Hamilton this morning, but it was all about all the Georgia players, so. I can't really envision a scenario that he could get stuck, but I'm just curious, like nobody wants to trade up and the player he wanted at three maybe goes at number two and, and he just gets stuck and what happens. I I don't know from there, but he, you know, he's, he's stated many times that he'll have a plan ready to go for the draft. You know, if, if things happen the way they happen, if he can't trade out of it or things like that, he'll be ready to make the pick. What if it, they go Linderbaum at thirteen? Oh, I, I, no I'd be, I'd be compl- yeah, I have no problem with that. I think, I think he is. Uh, I think he's the guy who'd be in the Ring of Honor in like fifteen, twenty years. Oh wow! It, didn't you say yeah, that I about think, Nick? Didn't you say that about Nick Martin? No, Nick Martin's a fraud. I hate Nick Martin. Nick, Nick Martin's a t- Nick Martin's a clown who's who's way too boring to the media for how ineffective he is as a football player. He sucks. What about Garrett Wilson? What if they go receive? Yeah, I'm fine with that too. I think. I think Garrett Wilson is the most talented receiver in this draft. I'd be okay with that. I think that the, that the reason why receiver intrigues me at 13, and it's the same reason that running back intrigues me in the second round, it's more so about the – first of all, I think we're, we're seeing a trend where running back in the second round way to go. But I think at 13, you can get the best receiver in this draft. I think there's a chance you can have the best receiver in this draft and then in, in in the second round, you can get the best running back potentially in this draft. Hmm. How about Reese Hall at number thirty-seven? Yes, yes, right? yes, yeah. yes, yes. 
please. Well, and I, and I think Landry, part of that is the whole, hey, you don't want to take a running back in the first round because now that's like, hey, your first round draft pick. So a lot of those guys fall, but in the second round, it's like, okay, this is my second round pick. Let's plug him in. So you end up getting a lot of sort of plug and play running backs in the second round. Well, also fifth year options mean nothing running backs because they're smart and they hold out after three now because they know they have a small shot. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, what, what was Ryan, What was the second half of Ryan's question? I wanted to get the Karloff thing out of the way. Was he talking about other players we'd like a 13th? Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I, I already removed Ryan. I was a little what about, uh, too aggressive by me. What, about, what, what do you guys think about uh, Jordan Davis, the massive defensive tackle? Dude, McLean's trying to say him. McLean's trying to shit on him because he wasn't like pass rushing. And it's like, you you got to be more specific on why that is, John. Payne. I mean, like they, for all I know, like typically teams like Georgia or Alabama, they have stud ass backups that are like blue chip, probably underclassmen that come in just to rush the passer. So you take the kid out and rest him. Like I, 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 I would love to have Jordan Davis. It seems like there's a lot of hype to where he might not even be there. No, nah, it's it, it's. I've seen a lot of places where he's going inside the top ten. He may not even be there at thirteen. So, what about Tavon? How do y'all feel about uh, Tavon Walker? Tavon, uh, Travon Walker, Travon Walker. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah I, I think it, that's it, a, that's I think, a name I that's kind of all over the place for me. I see him like Ryan saying going up in the top. Five. I've seen I him seen, three to twenty. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's it, he, it's difficult to get a read on him. Yeah, I, I've had some conversations with people about him. Like, I'll say knowledge on passers is one that I trust way more than my own. And they kind of question, like, does Trevon at, – at this stage of his career, does Trevon Walker play up to the 4-5 speed that he ran at in Indianapolis? I mean, I thought, I thought you know, for what it's worth, like we all saw Georgia play last year, uh, I thought he made a bunch of plays against Michigan and Alabama in the, in the championship game in the college football playoff. Uh, it would be like I just be I just be real curious about like what's the floor on him because the ceiling seems like it is incredibly high. What do you guys think about that? I I feel you. Uh, that's that's where I mean that's those those are the type of picks where he's the type of guy where if he goes early like. People either people go. I mean, he's going to break the internet. There's going to be like a lot of opinions about him. Uh, I, I I wouldn't feel too comfortable with three, but I mean, I, I I could see a scenario where he's one of the best players in the draft on the biggest bust. So I'm basically just really not saying much uh, in that area. Uh, I want to throw something at you guys. This is getting way ahead of our. But y'all want y'all want to play some ball here? Y'all want y'all want to get ahead of. Sure. Sure. All right. Let's let's pretend since we're talking draft, let's pretend the Texans have a, a a year similar to last year. Let's say they find a way to lose in this game, and they end up having the number one overall pick, and they have the Browns pick. Let's say the Browns are a playoff team. Let's say the Browns are in the playoff. Okay. Dude, we'll be having a conversation about Tim Anderson, Bryce Young. We we will get to have that type of conversation. Tim Anderson or Bryce Young, and then later on in the first round, I'm going to start a movement to draft Bijan Robinson with 24 overall, baby. <laughs> hold on, not hold on. I thought I was 
You mean Will Anderson, not Will Tim Anderson. Anderson. Why do I? Why, <laughs> why you kept saying Tim Anderson? I yeah, was trying to I'm figure like, this I'm out. Like, did I, I honestly, Will Anderson. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking baseball. Why stop? Yeah, I, I was freaking out for. I'm like, did I miss something? No, the lad? Like, Will, what's going Will, on? Willie Anderson. <laughs> well, I'll tell Big you, three I'll one. Uh, if the Texans are drafting number one overall next year, then Davis Mills will have the kind of season to where I, I don't think I'm going to have a real debate between taking Bryce Young or Will Anderson, even if he's basically the next Reggie White. Like, I'll take the quarterback. Thank you. Thank you very much and move forward. Yeah, you get you get two two more cheap years out of, of Davis Mills as your backup and, and move forward. That's And then B. John Robinson, baby. B. John Robinson. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that's yeah. fair. Would you guys be? Uh, would you guys be straight off the I, Heisman? Straight off the Heisman. Uh, he is. He is on my fantasy team, by the way. Uh, so one, you know, one thing that the Patriots did consistently in the last twenty years, and I'm curious if Nick Syria will carry this over. Uh, what do you guys think about the Texans possibly taking a quarterback not high, but let's say in like the third round or so of this draft, like Faker Mayfield? I threw that out there. Faker Mayfield in the third. Like uh, Desmond, no, you think, you're talking you like Desmond Ritter or something like that? Nah, yeah, Sam yeah. Howell. Fake Sam Mayfield. Fake somebody, <laughs> somebody along those lines. The, the Patriots kept taking quarterbacks while Brady was there. Like that. Was There's a lot of people that subscribe to the theory that just you, you draft a quarterback almost every year and keep taking shots at the board. But I, I, it just seems like the. I mean, I know it's early, and the, and the class that's coming up next year in 2023 has a lot of potential, and we said that a lot about 2022 class, and we saw where it turned out. But I, I think it's at this point of the where the organization is at, where the roster is at, I would much rather just continue finding players if that's you know say you're looking at using one of your third round picks on a quarterback I would rather just continue laying the foundation and finding positional players outside of quarterback with the picks and if it means running with Mills and Kyle Kyle Allen this year then that's what it is and that's fine hopefully we don't have to get to the dress Jeff Driscoll's of the world but but uh I I don't want to get a quarterback this year I don't see the 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 point of it at the at this point of the where the roster's at. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I was just kind of curious based on what uh, where Casterio came from what they typically tend to do. He might shock I us. Also he might wonder, shock us like, and, how, much and do a, it. how much of a say does Pep have in it? Well I'm sure he'd have some say in like I imagine they'd have to be at least somewhat aligned on the evaluation of quarterback to, to bring him in. So uh, not the most say, but some, I think. All right. Let's go to the next request here. Go to H time sports. Getting close to reaching my bedtime. H time. What you got, buddy? Take yourself off mute. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of questions. Um, I just want to say, what is the season that Davis Mills needs to have for us to say, okay, this is our quarterback for the future and we're going to build around him? And what is the package, like a realistic package we could actually get for a trade for the third pick? So, well, I'll answer the second part first. So, it's difficult to go look at years past because unless – 
unless Malik Willis is flying up, flies up the boards enough to where he can get to the number three, get to the number, uh, get to the number three spot on the board, and you know, say, say that uh, you know one of the tackles and 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 Hutchinson goes one two, and Houston has no interest in in Kyle Hamilton and and whoever. Maybe somebody's trying to jump the Giants to get Malik Willis. Then you could probably get that type of package that the Colts got for Sam Darnold, which was a swap of the ones, and I think it was two twos, something like that. I think it might have been three twos, actually. Yeah, it might have been three twos, but I don't think you're going to get that kind of package this year. I think, and, and, and obviously it depends on who's jumping up. So if somebody... Like say the Panthers wanted to jump up from nine, <laughs> or is it six? To, is it six to three? I don't I'm think it'd sorry. be nine. These right? text messages are hilarious. <laughs> I'm very random, Cap. Yes. I, 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 for the, I for the audience, I I sent Landry and, and Cap just a random screenshot of myself. What what was that about? What are, uh, are you trying to? My, you, just a general Mike Melch uh, fan. You trying to audience. date or something? Yeah. Like what is? <laughs> I'm sorry, H. Sorry, I'm just laughing at this. All right, so, so get so back on time. So he was, yeah. No, nah, so you get it. If Carolina wanted to jump up to like three, then, and if it was for Malik Willis, then the returns should be fairly decent. So I would think, you know, you you swap ones this year and you can get their one next year. If it's not drafting up for a quarterback then the compensation is probably going to lighten a little bit. Maybe you swap ones and you get there two this year or you get a 2024 one, something Do like that. Do they have a two? Does Carolina have a two? Not No, year, no, I'm don't. just I'm just speaking hypothetically. Oh, okay. So it really just depends on the type of player that they're coming up for and how the draft boards are falling. And what, you know, I think it really hinges on what the Giants are going to do at four and six is my opinion. And then the, what was the other question? No. Uh, what is it, What is the season that Davis Mills uh, needs to have this year for us to like say he's the oh, quarterback? Going he forward? would have to end up like at least top 15 and like DVOA at least and show a lot of progression over what we saw last year. I mean, it, it would have, for me, it would have to, he would have to make a pretty drastic, jump over what we saw last year for the team to say, ah, we're good. Let's go ahead and skip on Bryce Young and 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 we'll we'll keep going forward with Mills. So Yeah. I mean I think and even like beyond just I'm privacy, like you would have to have a, I would say a combination thing. I think it's a great question by H Uh I think you'd have to like remove any of the games like three quarters Rams, the whole Buffalo game where like nothing happened. It's a disaster offensively. Uh, and then I, I would say you would need to have some like almost maybe superhumans going too strong, but like some like really strong performances where some of the stuff that Davis Mills did late in the season, like let's take the the second half against Tennessee. If he takes that and has like you know five games that where he's playing at a really high level, where he's like carrying people, then that might make me that might make me think, okay, like this guy is at another level to where I got to really think about what they had. Landry, did you get your connection fixed yet? I mean, I just there don't see any scenario. I don't see any scenario where if you're talking about Bryce Young or Davis Mills that that plays out. I I I 
I think, all right, let me, let me put it this way. The scenario where Davis Mills is your starter uh, next year compared to this year, he has to be serviceable. There, ha- there has to be, like, not a lot of uh, a possibility. Uh, but I, I don't feel like Davis Mills having some sort of season where you say Davis Mills is our franchise quarterback. He's quarterback. A year similar to... Yep. I don't even I, – I can't even entertain. I don't know. Yeah, still kind of cutting out Landry. So, just one more yeah. quick. Do y'all think it would be in the cards to maybe trade up for Bryce Young if we're at like a fifth or sixth pick and he's like a top the top pick? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have – they're going to have the Browns pick, which we can assume is going to be 20 or later. And I think if you package that – so say Texas end up with like – the fifth overall pick and need to get up to number one to get, to get Bryce young. You package the Cleveland pick and probably Cleveland's pick in 2024, not your own one, but Cleveland's 2024 pick and, and make the jump up. The team is definitely going to have enough ammunition to, to make the move for a quarterback. If that's what they need to do in 2023. Yeah. I think, I think the scary is you know it, it all sounds say like, hey you have all these all this draft ammunition to trade up to get a quarterback and they do but it also requires like right set of circumstances like a Jacksonville having a situation because yeah you take it back a year ago and like I, I mean honestly like how many what I don't think Jackson would entertain any trade packages or that number one pick unless it was basically like one of like NFL players. Uh, so if there's a generational quarterback like that, and I don't think Bryce Young's necessarily on the level of Trevor Lawrence, but if a team is drafting number one and they need a quarterback, it almost doesn't matter what you have because they're just going to take that guy. That is pure. Yeah. My, I think my connection is the one that's jacking this up tonight. I'm not sure what's going on. It keeps cutting out on me. It was kind of cutting out for me a little bit yeah, too. Yeah, I think it's my. I, th- I kept. I keep texting Landry, telling him his la- his connection sucks, but I, I I'm starting to think it's me. So. It might have been my. It was Mike there. I couldn't hear what you say. Yeah. Maybe it were like cursed or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Paul, Paul Gallant. Not, Paul Gallant just came in here, so we'll just blame him. Uh, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's not cursed or at all. Like you're. Cursed. So I did get. <laughs> I did get some questions on. Uh, on DM. So let's see here from Joey. A lot of talk about trading down, which I'm all for with return is good. What do you guys think about trading back into the first from pick 37? How much would it cost to, to do that? Is the fifth year option important enough to trade assets for a third first rounder? So I don't think, at least for that last part of that question, the fifth year option I don't think it's I don't think it's as luxury as it was in the old CBA. You know, with the old CBA, you could activate the fifth year option, which is due after the third year of the player, and it was only guaranteed for injury. And we saw that with Kevin Johnson. The team was able to get out from underneath it, you know, and not not have to worry about that fifth year option money. But now when when the team activates that fifth year option, it guarantees year four salary if there's any portion that was not guaranteed as part of the rookie contract, and it becomes fully guaranteed when they activate the, activate the option. So you're guaranteeing year four and year five of the contract, and then there's other stipulations in there. If the player 
has done well on playtime, Pro Bowl nominations, things like that. It, it increases the money, which I guess it would be a good thing in that that aspect. But I just I, it's only going to be time for us to tell to see how teams value that fifth year option with the way it guarantees early versus how teams utilized it before. So I'm certainly not opposed to trading it back up in the first round. If you know, if the value is right, I just, I would much rather have quantity over trading up and, and giving up, you know, a third round pick to move up eight or nine spots. I think the, the, the big home run area of this draft is going to be picks 25 through 60. Yeah, I think that that innate, that instinct is right. I mean, you know, if they fall in love with a player and they feel like they have to have a guy, and I don't know that would be the position, then, you know, I it, but I'm going to have, and I feel like Casario, well, I don't know if he's more likely to have that mindset because they're all, there are studies that you've done that show basically that, like, what's key is the number of draft picks you make versus, like, any individual quality of a general manager. Uh, and I'm curious what Nick thinks about that. But, I, I mean, I'm fine with us, but it just kind of depends on, like, who they trade up for. And that's very hard to tell uh, a month and a half at the end of the Mike, are you trying to cook something? I don't think so. I've got my, I mean, I've got my dryer back. That way you hear it's, it, it's not, it, it, it's pretty faint to me. Like, what do you mean you don't think you're trying to cook? Like, that's kind of like, like not, you no, accidentally I'm not, I'm cook? Not, I'm not, I'm, I'm like waving my phone I'm all I'm... different areas trying to find like I'm like I'm only like <laughs> 20 feet away from my router. I don't know why this connection is horrible. And yes, Paul, keep laughing. So, yeah, like, so are you cooking? I don't think so. Have you I'm not cooking. No. I, 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 <laughs> are you cooking? Like, I don't think so. It's like Aaron Judge being asked vaccinated like going to all these weird directions. Uh, no, I'm not I I am not Right. H time. Hopefully, hopefully we answer your questions, and I appreciate the I appreciate you jumping in there. So, Joey, that was your question about jumping up thirty seven. So, let's see here. So, quick question: What can we expect from Pep Hamilton as an OC? What is his play calling style? No idea. I, I'm not an expert in this by any means. I've just certain things I've read from people I trust. It's more of a power running scheme. Utilizes. The deep seam routes, which I think will will complement what Davis Mills can do. He seems to throw that very. He has a very good, very good arm. He can make those deep, outside the numbers type throw, and then he's going to utilize two tight end sets. Which you know, hey, we got Farrell Brown. We're all excited about that. So I don't know the the details and intricacies of of his play style, but it's not going to be what we saw from Tim Kelly last year. So great! You're gonna try to run the rock these running backs and you utilize these tight ends. Sounds fantastic. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, the draft you can fix that very easily, but yeah, not ideal with the personnel you currently have. Yep. Let's see. What's smooth? If Nick does trade back for number three overall pick. Do y'all have full trust that he will trade for a fair amount of draft capital in the trade? Or could he possibly make a bad trade? Yeah, he could easily make a bad trade. But I think I think Nick's background, his economic, you know, he, he was uh I'm trying to remember the company, the the investment company that he used to work for. 
have it in my notes in case I ever get an interview with him. But I think I, I was I, it uh, was it like Merrill Lynch or something? Yeah, like that? it might have been Merrill Lynch. Trading up, he's shown that he might be a little aggressive with what he's offering to move up. Moving back, we hope that he is just as aggressive. But you know, it's it's all it, like we've said before. It's it's year by year, and it's what teams are trading up for. So I have full confidence that he can make a good trade, but we we have to wait till it's done and see what type of player the team was trading up for, see if there's any reports that they were competing with somebody, things like that. But it's not overly difficult. You know, the, the teams, they all have their own custom, their own custom point system for, for draft picks when they're trading. They're all using the Jimmy Johnson card to just have common language but each team has their own point system developed and there's, and I, I've got like eight different point systems that I use to, to compare draft draft aid trades as well. There's multiple systems eight? out there. Yeah. Eight. Good Lord. I've got, got the Harvard one. I've got Jimmy Johnson. I've got the Spielberg Fitzgerald one. I've got Michael Lopez. I've got Rich Hill. I got all those. So, was math your best class, Cal? No. Was it look like your best? No, I'm just I'm just good with Excel. Makes it easy. What was your What was your best class? People want to know. Yeah, people want to know what was your best in high school. Sure. I, I, I well, I, maybe math was my best one. Yeah. See, I was just <laughs> checking. It may have been. Yeah. I'll there to, you I'll go. To, I'll have to ask my dad. He's on here listening. I'll have to I'll have to mm-hmm. see if he remembers. Because he used to yeah. he used to show me the shortcuts in, in math, and then I'd get in trouble for not showing proper work. So um, I always cheated in math. I'd that guy the answer, and, uh, and you would just make fake of the answer. I haven't used that calculator in twenty years. <laughs> Boy, that oh, game man, on there, that, that, that T I eighty one man. You you flip the case around and kick it up, and you can do all your graphing right there. <laughs> I think it was a monster. And that thing was expensive too. It was like ninety bucks. So, do, do y'all have? So, to answer Wayne's question, do y'all have full trust in Casario trading back for appropriate value? Don't know yet. No, no, not yet. Uh, I, I, I need a, I need a skid deal. I, I feel like, hey, Nick Casario, this feels like a steal, and that has not quite happened. Yeah. Another question from uh, Tricky Williams. Let's see here. So, is there? Is there no reality in which Davis Mills could end up being a franchise QB? Does that mean we're treading water? I don't, I don't think it's go, treading water. Go ahead. I, yeah, I'm just trying to get the connection. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's treading water. I just think sometimes franchise back is there. Like, it, it's not like when I say Davis, when I say franchise back, I'm talking about home setter. But. There's, I mean, sometimes it, the situation's not there, so you go like Indianapolis and try to, you know, kick the tires on certain projects for a while. You can have a big faith down for years, uh, and you can build a roster around. So when I say Davis not being a franchise correct, that's not to say that he doesn't win the starting job next year. Uh, it's just I, I don't think Davis is going to be a guy who is in the conversation to get $3 million if, if that's a better way to put it, like I, I don't think Davis is going to be 
that. Could be wrong. Hope I am. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, is it possible? In a technical sense, sure, it, it's possible. Just uh, I think it, it's just it's on. Like, I'm I'm going to scream at this connection, and I I'm I'm sorry for uh, for the folks that are listening. If it is cutting out on y'all, Besides cooking, I blame Mike's maybe cooking. I made an omelet for tomorrow morning, like two hours ago, but not during this session. How do you, how do you make an omelet the night before? He's you make good. it. You uh, put it on a plate, put some uh, aluminum over it. You put it in the fridge. You heat it up for like a minute. I'm out. <laughs> so you do. <laughs> I'll see you guys what? later. All right, thank you guys. <laughs> and with that, you know, I appreciate everybody, everybody, all the questions, all the interactions. Once again, you know, I appreciate all the listeners and support. Uh, we'll, I do, I'll have another newsletter coming out this week on uh, capandtrade.substack.com if you want to subscribe to that. I think this week's topic will be effective tap, effective cap space, and how teams budget their cap dollars. And, and by that, I mean like how they budget for setting aside money for injured reserve replacement, practice squad elevations, um, draft hold, things like that. So, I mean, you know, we hear numbers of teams has got X amount of cap cap space right now, but teams also operate off of a, uh, off of a true cap number. So we'll dive into that this week on written format. And with that, I appreciate everybody's time. Thanks for listening. And we'll shut it down. Thank you.